the air conditioning has broken. The internet wasn't working earlier. It's the new, a new year. What else can go wrong? Oh, people are saying, don't say that. Say that because it's putting the challenge out in front of you and not behind you. And that's where we want our challenges, where we can see them. Challenges have to be in front of us so that we can see them in order to confront them. We cannot confront what is behind us. We face it head on. So I encourage you today, throughout the service, I know it's going to be hot. I am going to be as short as I possibly can so that we can find some comfort. You know, the hard part about boot camp was wanting to hurry up and get to the end. Paris Island was not that fun. We tried to make it fun. The drill instructors would come out to us every night, and we would be caught standing on line is what they called it. If our bunks were on this side and the bunks were on that side, this open space in the front here, we would all stand in front of our bunks and our foot lockers waiting for the drill instructors to come by. And they wanted to make sure that the, before we went to bed, everything was nice, quiet, clean, and peaceful. So they would scream and yell at us. They would grab our foot lockers and play a game called Mount Sarabachi. Mount Sarabachi is, if you've ever seen the uh, Marine Corps Memorial where they're holding the flag, okay, was part of uh, the war where we uh, conquered part of Japan. Um, so to imitate Mount Sarabachi, they would take our foot lockers bust the locks open, and dump everything out into the middle of the floor into one great big mountain, and they would give you five minutes to go find all your stuff, put it back into your foot locker, and get back get into the rack so that you could have a peaceful night. It is creating stress. That's what they do. That's what their job is. And they do it because they love us so much. They want the recruits to leave Paris Island or MCRD San Diego to leave being complete with the abilities to do what they have been called to do. That pressure was not designed to defeat us. That pressure was designed to create us, to make us stronger, to make us more wise, to make us more manageable. But you know, the thing about the Marine Corps is this, just like any branch of military and just like any business, it wasn't just there. It started somewhere. For the Marines, it started in a tavern in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania called Ton Tavern in 1775. And what happened was the Revolutionary War had already began. We didn't have any seafaring soldiers, so the Continental Congress called up the 1st Battalion of Marines. Out of nowhere, it seemed like. But it didn't just come out of nowhere. It came from a vision. It came from an idea. And what we had to do as a people in our country then was to stop maintaining what was already there and start to look to the future because when God gives the vision, he reveals himself to us as a people, as an individual, as a community. The expectation is that we move forward with what God calls us to. But the scary thing is, is this. The scary thing is that we look at circumstances and say we can't do it. We look at life and say, I'm not sure if I want to do it. And we look at it and say, how do we know that it's going to work? Businesses and schools and any jobs that we have entered into to this point have already been created. It doesn't take a vision to create something that's already been created. It takes vision and tenacity 
to move into tomorrow while living at peace today to build what God has for us in our lives. And we are not the first people to experience that. Our entire country is experiencing that now with COVID and its impact on society. But we are Christians. We are called by God. We are overcomers. And overcoming is what we do best. And if we are not good at it, we learn to be good at it. And I say all this because what Paul says to us in our passage of Scripture today, Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 12. Paul wrote, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to the mystery as I have briefly written already. And I want to stop right there for just a second because I want you to pick up on the one statement that Paul said, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery. That is the important message today. That by revelation, through God's interacting with humanity, he reveals his hope and his desire and his plan to his people. by that mystery that we don't always understand in the beginning. And then he goes on and says, By which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to the holy apostles and the prophets that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and the same body and the partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power for this purpose to me who am less than the least of all the saints this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages had been hidden in God who created all things through Christ Jesus, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for this time that you've given us. We thank you, Father God, that, that the temperature is as comfortable as it is when we know that it could be much higher. We thank you, Father, that the time that you've given to bring us here together is time that could have been given somewhere else. Help us, Father God, to understand today the the acts that you would have us perform, the way that you would have us live, and the hope that you would have us to live with for tomorrow, because we know that by revelation, your church was born, and we know that by revelation, our future will come to us in knowledge and in wisdom, and yes, in mystery. Father, take for me today the words to speak my own desire. Fill me with your spirit that your words would be pleasing to all that hear, 
and that your will will be done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It is a new year, my goodness. I love the new year because it's not the old. I already know what the old looks like. It was fun. It was challenging. Sometimes it was boring. Sometimes it was exciting. But it is the old. It is done. God started a new book in our lives this year. What are we going to do with the opportunity that God has given us? And that is the question that so many people ask. What am I going to do with the opportunity of life that God has given me today? And it's not always an answer that is easy to find. And what happens is this. When we don't hear the voice of God speaking to us about what we are to do, we assume that we already know what to do to create our own plan, to create our own mission, our own vision, which time and time again throughout history ends in turmoil. What we do when we are not clear on our vision is this. We wait on God because the Spirit of God will speak to the hearts of those people who wait diligently upon him. Jeremiah, he is told, says that I will speak to you, I will reveal myself to you, and I will heal your people, and I will heal your life when you do one thing and one thing only. Seek me with your whole heart. When everything in life seems like it can't go any further, when I seem or feel like I can't do anything else, that, my friends, is the point to which God wants his children to get to. He does not want his children to be independent of him, but he wants them to be completely and solely dependent upon him for each and every need that we have in life. And when we reach that point, and we can't fake it, God knows our heart, he knows our mind, but when we reach that point in life, when we are ready to give and surrender everything to God, God does a miraculous work in our life, and he reveals his will to us through his Holy Spirit. That's what he did with Paul. Paul, before he was Paul, was known as Saul. Saul was known by his people as the Pharisee of all Pharisees. He had the law down, at least in the eyes of men. He knew what to do. He knew how to walk. He knew how to talk. And he knew how to present himself to his community, to where his community loved him dearly. Saul was also there for the stoning of the first apostle after Christ's resurrection. Saul was also the one who who sought after everyone who was living in the way, meaning Christianity at the time, to bring them into what he called justice, to bring them before the judges, that they would be charged and tried for their belief and their faith in Christ. That's who Saul was in the very beginning. But then he had an experience on his way to Damascus to issue warrants, to take captive Christians and bring them back for judgment. He had an experience with Christ Jesus himself. And it was an experience that changed not just his life, but his entire identity, his entire purpose in life. You see, when Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He lost something very precious to himself that it would be very precious to us. He lost his physical sight. He was blinded by the light that he saw there when he met with Jesus, and he couldn't see four foot in front of him, much less five years into the future. His life was being turned upside down in turmoil, and he had nothing left that he can do with his life except trust in Christ. So Christ sent him on ahead into Damascus. And a long story short, 
when the hour came that Saul truly understood that I don't live life on my own terms, but I live my life in accordance to the grace and the mercies of God through Jesus Christ. When he was ready to hand everything over to God and answer his call, to answer his true life meaning, Scripture says this, that things like scales fell from his eyes. In other words, the things that blinded him to the reality of life in this world were no longer a part of his life. Those things that were important to him fell away because his relationship with God became more important to him than his relationship with this world. And Saul got a new name. His name became Paul. And it symbolizes for us as a people that that no matter what has ever happened in the past, that, that when we come to God, we can let go of what was and start moving into what will be. And we can do it with passion and with mercy and with grace. And Paul's purpose in life was to do this. He was to create the church that we're in today. And it didn't start with a, with a set of blueprints. It didn't start with a group of people getting together to form a committee, to form another committee that, that honestly, committees we all know, and it's not a dig on anyone. It's anywhere you go on any church, any denomination. A committee is going to talk to another committee who's going to talk to another committee within about a year later you might get something accomplished. That's not what Paul was doing. God gave Paul a vision of what the church was to look like. Now, here is the thing about visionaries. Visionaries are leaders. They are not managers. There are aspects of management that when it comes to being a visionary, but first and foremost, you have to be a leader. People who cannot see your vision, people who cannot see the future that you see, you have to make them believe. And if you don't make them believe that in the very fact that at least you believe in your mission. They will fall away to the side. It is up to the church to create a vision for their people so that their people will have a home to come to. We lead by example. Step number one. I see, and I know you say, I know what you mean. We, we lead by example because that's what the military teaches their people. That's what any business that has been successful teaches its people that we have to be perfect right no we'll never be perfect never once will we be perfect we're all going to sin in our lives there is no way around that then how do we lead by example by doing what it is god called you to do with passion and fervor. It doesn't matter if they look at you funny and say it's not going to happen because if God called you to it, he'll see you through it is what the old saying says. And you will accomplish everything that God has intended for you to accomplish. But it's hard sometimes because the people want to see that the leader is accomplishing everything that that he or she says they're doing. But what they don't understand and what you as leaders need to understand is the impact that you have on the people around you. You may not convince them 100% of your vision in life. 
But the longer they stay around you, the longer they see you fighting, the longer they see you pushing forward, the longer they see you living out their vision makes an impact on their lives. That's why the church is so important. That's why church leadership is so important. You may think that that your role in church doesn't make a difference. It impacts everyone around you. And it may be to the slightest degree, but it's better than to no degree at all. You enter this relationship with humility. Paul said of himself, to me who am less than the least of all saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. It is hard not to be prideful sometimes. I love my military experience, and and when I talk about the Marines, my soldiers go back, my head goes up, and and I think about us marching in tune with one another, in sync with one another. I I think about the fighting we've done. I think about all the the things that we were in charge of, multi-million dollar machinery, lives of humans, lives of friends. And it's hard sometimes to think about the things that I've experienced and the things that God has let me done and not be prideful. But what we have to remember is this, that as leaders, we cannot consider ourselves greater than those that we lead. You see, they're not looking for someone to be better than them. They're looking for someone to understand them. They're not looking for someone to compete with them. They're looking for someone to help them along the way. Servant leadership. It's opposite from what the world teaches, I know, but we're not called into this world to be of the world. We're called of God to speak and do the things of God. And we see that in the story of the wise men. As God plays out his will in their lives. We're told by scripture that three magi or or three wise men from the Persian Empire saw a star in the sky. And followed that star in search of Christ. Why would they do such things? See, the Magi were not of the Jewish faith. They weren't waiting in great anticipation of of a Savior coming into this world. The Magi were learned people, they were philosophers. They knew of their own culture and the cultures around them. They knew of magic as it was known in those days. 
They were known to be wise because of the amount of knowledge that they had. And it's very likely that, that because Israel had been taken into exile, that, that the Magi knew of the prophecy of the coming of Christ because of their contact with them. But people of knowledge don't just respond to someone else's tale of life. So what was it that, that got a hold of them, that made them travel from the Persian Empire all the way to Jerusalem and seek of something that, that they weren't even sure was true? What empowered and what envisioned? Could it be the Holy Spirit working in their lives to, to teach us today what it means to follow the will of God? You see, those guys left everything behind in seek of something that wasn't even of their culture, wasn't even of their faith. Something moved within their hearts to pick them pick up and move, and I believe that 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 caused them to move was the Holy Spirit. I believe that it was God revealing to humanity how he works with people and how he causes things to happen. And I think that's what God wants to do in our lives. It's to move in our hearts, to, to have us in a position where we are ready to hear what he has to say when he speaks and to empower us to move into the direction that he needs us to go in. And he teaches us about leadership in the lives of the Magi. Because, you see, the Magi didn't go straight from their origin straight to the place of Christ. With all their wisdom, with all their knowledge, they should have known that the Scriptures say that the child was to be born in Bethlehem, but instead they went to Judah. Here's what we learn from that, that even the most intelligent men do not have all the knowledge that they need. But because of God's Holy Spirit, because His empowering someone to move, He, he does this. He sends them to a place where they can receive the information. Isn't that wonderful that we don't have to de depend solely upon ourselves to find all the answers in life, but in our journeys, on our path, God puts people in our lives that helps us find their way. And the thing is about this one is that it's an unusual person that God put in their path to help them find the way to their des appointed destination. It was King Herod. King Herod was not a popular king. He was a successful king in the eyes of the world, but he was a terrifying man. Augustus, the Roman emperor, said of Caesar or of Herod, that it's better to be a swine than his own son because he knew that Herod would have no problem turning on his own son. But that is the one that God sent everyone to. The Magi did not go straight to their point of destination. God directed their path for this particular reason here, I think so that we learn that we need to work together with the people in our communities. 
That's what, he, that, that's what it says. That's what's happening in the lives. These learned men who we would think knows everything don't know how to get to Bethlehem to find Jesus, even though it is written in the Scriptures. They are directed to someone who is not worthy to be standing in the presence of anyone holy. He was a terrible, terrible man. And that's where we see the two points of leadership as God directs their lives. Leaders lead by example. They go where God tells them to go. And that was the first example that the Magi gave to us. We obey the Spirit when the Spirit moves. And even though the people that God put in our lives, we may seem are unfit, unworthy, or unholy, God put them there for a reason. You see, Herod, though he didn't know the answer to their question, knew how to find the answer to their question. When the Magi arrived, they asked Herod, they said, we're, we're, we're looking for, for the Son of God. We're looking for the one who was prophesied to be born into this world, to be King of kings, Lord of lords, Jews of Jews. Can you tell me where I can find him? And Herod didn't have the answer. But he knew how to find it. Leadership point two. None of us know all the answers. No matter how great we are, no matter how great we think we are, we do not have all the answers. We have to depend upon others because what Herod did was this. He knew that he didn't have the answer, but he knew to call the scribes and the Pharisees to come forward to talk to him about their prophecies. And it was there that he found the answers to give to the Magi so that they can complete their missions. You know, in my time of policing, I worked with a lot of officers. And even in the military, somebody will tell you that, that there's a brotherhood or a sisterhood that, that we're all tight like this. And to an extent, that's true. But I'll be honest with you, there were times that I worked with officers that I would prefer not to work with. They didn't like my attitude and my perception towards the society. I didn't like their attitude, nor did I like their perception of society. But even in our differences, what we did do is this. We recognized each other's talents and abilities, set aside those differences, and depended upon one another to complete the task. You see, there were officers that I wouldn't invite to my house. And there were officers that wouldn't invite me to their house. But when it came time to serve an arrest warrant, I knew who I wanted on my side. And when it came time to, to kick in somebody's door to go in and bring somebody out forcefully, I knew who I wanted on my side, whether I liked them or not. 
because I trusted in their ability. We have to love people, even in indifference. And that's what people want to see from us. Is that they're not going to be judged, but they're going to be loved. And that they're going to be allowed to be utilized and used in God's kingdom whether they've known you all your life or only for 10 minutes. And sometimes it is the most unlikely people in life that God brings to us to teach us some of those lessons and to accomplish our tasks. I said I won't be long, and I won't. Or maybe I already am. It is a new year. It is a new chapter. It is a new life. Anything and everything can be done. You can accomplish everything that God puts in your heart. Go forth with humility, not pride. Open your heart to the Spirit of God as He begins to move in our lives. He's leading us somewhere good. He is. Let God show you that mystery, that unknown road, and leave the old road behind we're moving forward in God's grace and in God's mercy. And good things he has for each and every one of you. The wise men found Jesus at his home in Jerusalem because they didn't give up and because they dared to believe in a dream that God planted in their heart and because they dared to step forward on faith even when they didn't have the answers to complete the task. Father God, as we close today's service, let us fill your spirit in our hearts. Open our hearts and minds to the wonders of all the mysteries that you have in our lives and help us to begin to see the beginning of this new chapter. Help us to see it with hope and with passion. And help us to walk toward it with the empowerment of your spirit and the faith in Jesus Christ as we join hands with all the saints 
in our church, in our community, and around the world to fulfill your will. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we prepare to leave, leave today seeking the Spirit of God in your life. Leave today asking, what is it, Father, that your will be in my life? And wait for that answer. And let the Spirit move and guide and direct you into tomorrow. Father God, we close the service today. We thank you for the time that you've given us together. We thank you for the opportunity to remember that, that this world was not created because man created. It was created because you spoke it into existence. And that life was created, not just when you breathed breath into our bodies, but when you sent your spirit to inhabit, to indwell, to guide and direct to help overcome and help to see a vision of tomorrow while we live in peace today. Help us to be pleasing to you in all of our ventures. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen. Amen.